Welcome to Big Boy Movies, a podcast about movies and the big boys who watch them. I'm one of your big boys, Batman. And I'm another one of your big boys, Bruce Wayne. Oh, Bruce, it's it's so good to finally meet you in person. You know, there's been, there's been a lot of um, uh, rumors that we might be like the same person. Uh, everyone's like, oh, they've never been on a podcast together. So, yeah. But now we are, so we can finally prove that we're two separate people. I, I, I for one, am really glad that um, our good friend Martin Scorsese invited both of us to be on this podcast this week so we could finally, you know, we're in the same room together. Clearly, um, I am not recording this on two different mics and changing my voice and stuff like that. It's, it's two different people. Um, I'm Bruce Wayne. This is Batman. And I'm, and I'm Batman. We're two discreet individuals. Um, yeah, I, me and Marty go way back. He actually invited me to the premiere of The Irishman when it came out. And it was so dull and boring that I knew I just had to outdo him. Uh, so so me and Zach really got to, got our heads together and, and worked on that. First big mistake by Marty there. Three hours? Come on. Let's go all four. Hey! Hey! Who's Batman, that? you get the fuck out of here. Oh, shit. Uh, get the fuck out of my apartment. Oh, I gotta go. I gotta go, John Jordan. Poof, smoke bomb. God fucking damn. <laughs> this is the third time this week Batman has broken into my apartment and started podcasting yeah. while I wasn't here. It's a weird thing to do when breaking into someone's apartment, but it makes sense when they have a mic. Like, imagine you're a robber. You go into BB's apartment. You see that great mic just sitting there. You're like, shit, I gotta record a podcast right now. Oh, yeah. It's how I catch most of the robbers. Now, Bruce, I appreciate you coming on. I know you and Batman are, are tight and two separate people, um, but I would, we have to record this podcast with John George. We got a tight schedule, so if you could get him back in here. Uh, yeah, John, come on in. Hey there, baby. Uh, yeah, sorry. Hey, what's going on? Do you does, does Bruce Wayne come into your apartment like Batman comes into mine? Yeah, but we're like friends now. Like At first, he was breaking oh, into it, and I was very upset, like... I was like, what are you doing here? Like, obviously, don't break in. And he was just being nonviolent, just kind of like really was gravitating towards my mic setup and really wanted to record podcasts for some reason. I just yeah, really fucking weird. But yeah, yeah it's weird because you think he'd be able to afford his own sort of microphone for yeah. his own podcast. Yeah, I don't know. Like, did he just see through my window my mic? And he was just like, oh, my God, there's a mic. Like, yeah, might as well podcast. I, I don't know. Batman was actually uh, my delivery dart driver for DoorDash the first time we met, and uh, that was fine. But then he kept he kept showing up for like every delivery I got, and I was like, "This is weird, Batman." It's like every time, and then he just started coming into my apartment. So I don't know. I gotta gotta work on that. But uh, this is a podcast about movies, <laughs> and only one movie after this, right, BB? We're switching to exclusively this is now a justice league dc podcast because we both love this movie so much that there is no point to the rest of the cinematic universes out there there's nothing else besides this to me now so yeah no it's the only movie i'm ever gonna watch it's the only movie as far as i'm concerned that i have ever watched it's sort of all-encompassing uh in sort of my my whole sphere of life now i'm i'm fully into Zack snyder's justice league um i'm fully i feel like Zack snyder now which has always been a dream of mine <laughs> to be honest um <laughs> to to feel what it's like to be Zack snyder is another level of ecstasy i could not have imagined if 
if the future Boston Uprising videos are all in slow motion, you know why. Yeah, I'm living in slow-mo from now on. I've been doing everything slow all day. Hell yeah. Well, this is this is kind of a, you know, this is a big episode here, baby. We've been doing Snyder predictions. I hope you've, you've, uh, <laughs> you did your due diligence and you found our predictions. If not, I don't blame you. I don't want to go back and listen to all those. I didn't, but uh, <laughs> I remember a lot of them. So we'll... We'll get through them. I was too busy. This was also, I was planning to make the Snyder Cut my 100th movie that I logged on Letterboxd because I was at 98. I didn't even have time to make, um, to, to watch another movie. So Zack Snyder's Justice League is now the 99th movie on my Letterboxd. And I'll have to figure out what 100 will be. Oh, yeah. I, I noticed you didn't, I forgot you didn't watch a movie before this. Yeah. Hundreds is gonna it's gonna have to be a big one. Don't don't let don't let it slip through the cracks like my a thousandth did. But we did watch uh other movies besides Zack Snyder's Justice League that we didn't do predictions for, uh that we probably should talk about before we get into this whole marathon yeah. of a huge <laughs> discussion. I mean it's been a while since we talked about the movies we watched last week at this point. So I have like a good amount to catch up on. You can you can speed run those. I only got two things to talk about. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it for too long, but yeah, I saw a bunch of Lars von Trier films. I saw Melancholia, Breaking the Waves, Dancer in the Dark, Dogville, and Antichrist. The Big Five, as Lars calls them. <laughs> Does Lars call them that? <laughs> no, but if you don't know much about Lars, he actually splits all of his movies up into his like own trilogies, but they're more mm. like thematic trilogies. For example, Breaking the Waves and Dancer in the Dark are a part of the Golden Hearts trilogy, which is basically just movies where the main character is like unbreakingly just the nicest person alive basically and a bunch of shitty things happen to them but they still are extremely nice even though the shitty things are happening to them antichrist and melancholia are part of his depression trilogy where he wrote movies while depressed and you can tell <laughs> for those two movies are nuts and both about depression so lars is a very interesting guy i found out he's friends with our good pal thomas vinterberg actually oh they created a like a movement in movies in the 90s called dogma 95 it was basically just like a set of rules that they never followed where just to try to like get people to like think creatively it was like you have to shoot on location it was just like a way to get filmmakers to like focus more on the writing basically so that's why all Lars movies is basically are like handheld. They all look like the the office. Like literally watching Melancholia, I was like, "Is this the office right now?" They legit. All, yeah, it's so weird. But yeah, it's the office's depression trilogy. Yeah, exactly. It was after Michael left, and so not a lot of people have seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I was really missing Michael on that one. I I was like, God, this <laughs> show got way worse. Um, this, guy, this show got really weird after season eight. I don't know, man. I don't recommend watching these movies uh, in a row like I have. They are extremely depressing. Yeah. But I highly recommend watching Dancer in the Dark. That is my the one Lars movie I gave five stars. I think it's so... You, it's the most unique movie I've ever seen. Like, it's just so devastating and... I just haven't seen a movie shot like this or written like this. Like, it's just so crazy good. And Bjork is amazing. And I did not expect Bjork to be so, such oh, good. And Bjork's in there. Yeah. And now we get to see Bjork in the Northman too. And now I'm like, yes. I'm going to tell you what, 
I wasn't going to watch any of these because I don't like the idea of Lars von Trier movies because I don't like movies that are designed to make you feel bad exclusively. But uh, I might want to, I might have to get in there for Bjork. Yeah. Either. Love some Bjork. I, if, if you don't want to like subject yourself to pure pain, either Dancer in the Dark or Breaking the Waves. I think those are the two in his Golden Heart trilogy where it's not like completely unbearably depressing. Um, Melancholia, Antichrist, absolutely, 100%. Dogville's also a great movie, though, too. His stories are nuts. There's my large spiel. Nice. Well, I I watched something probably equally as terrifying and depressing and sort of uh, grim. I saw The Breakfast Club for the first Mm. time. Um, A real modern horror story, The Breakfast Club. Uh, It was good. I liked it. it. It's like quintessential 80s teen movie there's some stuff in it that's pretty dated uh in terms of like the humor and and some of the moments uh charlie's asking if i'd never seen the breakfast club no i hadn't this is my first time watching it i watched it specifically for march dadness which we did last week um and yeah it didn't disappoint it still holds up i think in a lot of ways where it's very funny uh pretty consistently and it's all the performances are really fantastic, and it's one of those movies where it takes place in like basically one room the whole time, and it just works. Like you don't you don't need that variety. It was just good. I, I expected it to be good, and it was good. And it's The Breakfast Club. It's a classic for a reason. So yeah. that's all I really got to say about it. Yeah, I haven't seen that since middle school, but I remember enjoying it. Um, did you watch anything else, or should I do my next? Episode? I just rewatched Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and I moved it to five stars. So. There's my, oh, my okay. news for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Okay, cool. Big big win for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. They finally made it into the five-star club for John George. Yeah. France has been celebrating all week <laughs> um, for this huge victory. Oh, yeah. But the other thing I wanted to talk about real quick before we get into our big superhero bonanza, I watched the first episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. After being kind of uh, middling on WandaVision, I can say pretty firmly that Falcon and Winter Soldier is... Uh, extremely boring and forgettable. Uh, I will say the opening action sequence of it is amazing. It's the most high budget, like high octane TV show I've ever seen. Like dudes flying around and helicopters are exploding, exploding and shit. Um, it looks like a straight up Marvel movie, but it's a TV show. Uh, unfortunately, after that, uh, we get such scenes as Winter Soldier uh, in therapy. And Falcon applies for a bank loan, which is a real thing that happens (laughs) in the show. I mean, that's exactly what us Marvel fans were waiting for, BB, so I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, I think what's great is the Falcon applies for a bank loan scene. I guess they wrote and then realized that really, like, completely breaks how the Marvel Universe works because... They're like, you're an Avenger. Shouldn't you, like, have money? And he's like, no, we never got paid for doing any avenger shit (laughs) and oh i'm sorry this is mild spoilers for this show um (laughs) but basically it's revealed that i guess tony stark like never paid the avengers a salary to like save the world this is fucked this dude's the richest man on earth he couldn't pay his friends to like (laughs) save the fucking universe it's not a full-time job not even a freelance gig it's charity work like falcon literally says like oh there's a system of of goodwill and like what the fuck does that mean like not even tony stark's estate 
is gonna be like, oh yeah, the Avengers, they they should get some money from Stark Industries because we're still like infinite money machine. That is really fucked up. Honestly, I take back every good thing I've said about Iron Man. He's a bad employer and boss. Yeah, straight up. Like the Avengers need to unionize or something. I mean, did Bruce, but, but did Bruce Wayne pay the Justice League? I didn't see any evidence of that here in the Snyder Cut. That's fair. That is fair, but it seems like, that's the thing. It's like everyone in the Justice League kind of has a job. Flash is working on getting a job. Wonder Woman just works in like the Louvre, I guess. Um, <laughs> obviously, Batman's Wayne Enterprises. Uh, Superman has uh, the Daily Planet. A- everyone in the Justice League has a job. The Avengers, as far as we can tell, uh, they literally were just working as Avengers. Like, fucking Captain America didn't go to his job at McDonald's in between, like, saving the world, <laughs> you know? Yeah, how do, how do these people like money? Like, where's maybe Captain America's probably just getting, like, that, you know, veteran status cash. <laughs> <laughs> He's an immortal veteran, so he continues to collect benefits, like, for eternity. Yeah. The U.S. government is furious. They're like, we got to keep paying this guy, like, his <laughs> retirement fund. <laughs> And Thor is just like a fucking god, so like, why does he care about cash? I guess you could argue it's like maybe Shield's job, but Shield doesn't exist anymore, and ultimately it doesn't matter because Falcon needed to apply for a bank loan. They should definitely be making. They should be one of the highest paid jobs in the world for sure. I mean, after killing Thanos twice, you think you get like a few bucks for that yeah, from come someone? Come on, come on, Tony. Just give him the cash. Now I'm like imagining Avengers Endgame with like a scene where the the superheroes go on strike until they get fairly paid. <laughs> They're just letting the world like fall apart. Like all the big villains are destroying every city. Yeah, or like every once in a while, like Hulk's like I'm Hulk's like trying to re- renegotiate his contract, so he's like holding out like they do in sports, where they just like sit out games until like they give him a new contract. So Hulk's just like, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not helping until I get a new contract here, Tony. Yeah, <laughs> I love like Big Green Hulk too. Like he, he's an actual rage monster, and he's just like, we need better benefits. You're like Hulk, you don't need health insurance. Your skin is impenetrable. You're like, Mm-mm. Hulk could get coronavirus. Need benefits. Need better dental, please. I have cavities. Hulk, Hulk have cavities. Well, should we talk about the super the the Justice Leagues? We should talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League, as as the marketing has referred to it. I guess we'll do general impressions because this is a new movie, and God help us, not everyone's seen it, but they will. Everyone mm-hmm. will see it, so we gotta do no spoilers first. Uh, my non-spoil. I mean, I haven't seen the original, so this was a completely new movie to me. BB's gonna tell me on this podcast what was in the other one and what's not, but I legit, this is all new to me. I I don't know what was in the old one. Um, so my impressions are pretty unique, I would say. I, I think it's pretty rare to find someone who's seen this and hasn't seen the first one. So I think I enjoyed it more than I thought I was. To be honest, I I still, that being said, <laughs> I still didn't like it. Um, yeah. I still think it was a pretty average movie, but I still enjoyed parts which I didn't expect to. Okay. I expected for four hours to be very upset and very bored, <laughs> but I wasn't. Um, so, yeah, I overall, I would say this probably didn't need to happen i haven't even seen the first one and i am immediately gonna say this probably didn't need to happen okay 
Yeah, well, I have seen the first one. I saw it in theaters. Uh, the reason I saw it in theaters is because I like kind of wanted to see it. And my friend was like, I'm not going to watch it unless someone tells me it's worse than Suicide Squad. His rule was like, if any person on the planet that said it was worse than Suicide Squad, he would go watch it. And someone did. So I was like, <laughs> all right, we're going to have to go see it now in theaters. Um, so that's how I saw it. And comparing the two, I would say that I would almost recommend the theatrical cut more. It's wow. like, it's so, it's complicated because the theatrical cut is really bad. Um, and it's missing a ton of context and a lot of stuff doesn't work or make any sense because it feels rushed because they were cutting a four hour movie into a two hour movie. Um, and the Zack Snyder version adds a lot of that context back and like turns it into what it was supposed to be. That being said, uh, the theatrical cut I would call merciful. It's less than two hours. It's an hour and 59 minutes. And so even though it's bad, it's manageable. You can watch it in like an afternoon, like any other movie. You don't have to make a day of it. Whereas like Zack Snyder's version is so long and so miserable. Um, it's like the added story benefit. I just like did not feel like it added enough for me to want to like, for me to be like, yeah, that's the definitive version. Like, no, if you have to watch one of these, do the shorter one because it's over sooner. Damn, Big Bob. I mean, like, going into this, no one thinks, like, this movie's going to be worse than the original, right? Like, why would they Why would they release it? Why, yeah. would, why would everyone be making such a big deal about it? And the original sucks so bad that everyone was like, there's no way they make it worse, right? Yeah. But at this, at this point, like... I, it sounds reasonable. I haven't seen the original, but it sounds reasonable. This, it, it's a four-hour-long movie, right? Like, why? Yeah. Who would I recommend this to? No one. I would. I would recommend no one watch this movie. This is too long. <laughs> it's not enjoyable enough. Like, why? Why should you watch this movie ever? I, I don't want to recommend them the original Justice League either. But still, I guess if I had to recommend the one, probably would be that one because I've got. I'm not trying to get someone to sit down and watch something for four hours like this. Yeah. I, like if you told someone to watch the Snyder cut, they, or no, if you told someone to watch the theatrical cut, they would be mad at you. Cause they're like, why'd you make me watch that shitty movie? If you yeah. told someone to watch the Snyder cut, they'd be really fucking pissed. They'd be like, <laughs> why did you make me watch four hours of that? Of a shitty movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. At least, like, I'm not wasting that much time if I recommend the other one, right? I would recommend yeah. neither, ever, probably, but... Mark makes a good point. He says he thinks they're roughly the same in quality, and I would almost tend to agree with that. Like, structurally, they're basically the same movie, it's just one's longer. Um, and we'll get into some more differences once we're in spoiler town, but... Yeah, I mean, um, if, yeah. If, if they're the same, if they're roughly the same quality of course you're gonna say watch the two hour one that they're roughly the same quality as far as general impressions go i got nothing else to say i mean i wasn't surprised by much of it there's a lot of slow motion i, I guess I, I thought i i wish there was a more black and white at least some black and white here bb like come on um all, all the yeah. promotional stuff's in black and white so i'm just like <laughs> there's got to be some black and white in here right i think I think he is planning on releasing a black and white version of this. So that's, we'll finally have another reason to go back and watch it to see how the black and white sort of holds up. <laughs> we have a, we have a separate episode for it. We're like, <laughs> Zack Snyder's 
Justice League black and white version. Yeah, and that one's like the same length as this one, but we have a totally new conversation. <laughs> Somehow. As far as like the performances go, all of them were also met my expectations. I mean, I yeah. The Flash was hilarious. Ray Fisher was actually good as Cyborg, but Gal Gadot I still think is a bad actor. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I found Ezra Miller like charismatic at times. Like he's funny enough. Yeah. As Flash. Agreed. I think I, I would like a Ezra Miller. Was there an Ezra Miller Flash movie? Right. There's no. No. Ezra Miller this Flash is movie. this is it. Yeah. I would like that. I think he was funny. I liked his char- His character's interesting. Yeah. I think the Flash is interesting. I texted you this, but I said I do like Henry Cavill as Superman. Yeah. I think he like is a good Superman. He just doesn't have the material that would like make it really great. So uh, yeah. that's unfortunate. I'm still not a Ben Affleck Batman fan myself. I just don't think he like. Yeah. I think he does. I think he, he he meets expectations, but I don't think it's anything special or anything. Yeah, I would say actually, if if it's one thing I like more, I think I might have liked Ben Affleck more in this version okay. as compared to uh, the Whedon one. But I don't remember the Whedon one barely at all, so maybe it was exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it was. Um, but yeah, I'm bound to go to Spoiler Town because that's yeah, Spoiler Town. Zack Snyder's Justice League begins not the way that Joss Whedon's Justice League begins because in Joss Whedon's, it starts with like cell phone footage. The Joss Whedon one starts with like some teenagers filming Superman on their cell phone and uh, Superman's like, be good kids. And he's got his jelly lips because of the mustache thing from the theatrical version. Actually, I don't even remember how Zack Snyder's starts, but it's it's in a way that doesn't give any context to what's happening. We don't understand what the mother boxes are until like maybe an hour into the movie. Yeah, Zack starts with it starts with like uh, it starts with Superman, the the groaning thing. Oh right, where he's, he's like, screaming and and everyone hears his screaming. Yeah, it's just such a loud scream that everyone hears it. I so you need to the context of Batman and of Batman vs Superman for that, which I did watch, but I didn't remember, so I was confused as to what was happening. We saw like Lex Luthor at some point at the beginning too, but yeah, I I didn't understand the mother box thing at all. Yeah, so in the Whedon version, they do like a Lord of the Rings style kind of thing, where they explain like there are three mother boxes and the they uh, destroy worlds and. One mother box was given to the Atlanteans and they locked it in their deepest trench and one box was given to the Amazons and they locked it away in their most secure temple and one box was given to the realms of man who sort of buried it in a, in a ditch in the woods uh, <laughs> to, to keep it safe, which is the same in this movie. I couldn't believe they were actually like, yeah, man's fucking stupid. They buried it in a three foot hole in the woods. <laughs> yeah, so dumb. Um, I guess they kind of have, they don't do it at the beginning, but they do do it with Wonder Woman, like 45 minutes into the movie, maybe they do that, what you're describing, basically Wonder Woman just like tells the story of that. Yeah. It's just like, it like almost assumes you've seen the original where you like, cause they're defending these mother boxes and like shit's going on with them. Uh, and there's this huge, massive battle with Steppenwolf and the Amazons over this box that if this is your first time seeing it, you don't know what the significance of this box is, just like it's a thing that the big man want. And and so it just, it plods on and on. I mean, the reality is like the first two hours of this movie, the Justice League 
doesn't even assemble. Like the first two hours is just Batman trying to get anyone to help him out. <laughs> and failing. Like legit, there's like barely any yeah. hope that the Justice League, like two hours in, you're like, okay, is this going to happen? Like, can he even recruit him? He's not a good recruiter, clearly. The mother boxes, like, I just assumed that it was explained somewhere else. And I just didn't know, basically. Like, I, I don't know. I just assumed, like, this was in Batman vs. Superman or something, and I forgot or something. But now that makes sense, that, that it just wasn't explained. And that's why I didn't know. This is the first time we're introduced to Aquaman. Aquaman has barely anything in this movie. Like, Batman shows up, and he's like... Hey, Aquaman, do you want to be in a Justice League? And he's like, fuck you, no. And he leaves. Um, <laughs> and then the lady sings. The lady sings. Oh, my leaves. God. That wasn't in the original. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Like, he, like, takes off his shirt. And he's like, eh, fuck you, Batman. And then he, like, walks in the water. And all of these young village women just start, like, singing a song <laughs> as he leaves. It was so Zack Snyder. I was like, this is him. This is Snyder Cut, baby. Yeah. I just like, what was he? Did he think that was like really impactful or dramatic or like? It's like stuff like that that happens in Snyder movies that has no, like he sees it happen in other movies, I feel like. So he's like, yeah, I'll do one of those. But like his, like has no impact on the movie and like, like what was it what what did that accomplish i don't understand like now i think aquaman's like a badass or something i don't get it yeah because like i guess the idea is maybe the people in that village revere him as some sort of god because he brings them their food and whatever uh and so when he leaves they do a singing ceremony or some (laughs) shit i don't know but like it's just so weird because it's all these young women singing to and it's not like they're well the one girl sniffs his sweater so maybe she is attracted to him but it's just this maybe. weird bizarre like reverence they have for him i don't know um and mark makes a good point it's because he filmed it so that's why it's in the movie um the way i summed up this movie which i should have said earlier is that this movie is like entirely composed of deleted scenes that you would get on like a dvd box set like, if somehow the entire movie was deleted scenes, um, it's just everything he filmed goes into the movie, no matter what, um, which is really what pads the runtime here. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, ugh, God, it's such a slog, and so many things are unnecessary. Like, I remember just watching the movie after scenes just being like, okay, that probably doesn't need to be in this movie. Um, you're literally just... It's it's Zack Snyder like taking the popularity of this like Snyder cut that he obviously didn't have like he didn't actually have this this version of the Snyder cut by the time people were tweeting this and he just yeah. it's taking he's using that and he's like okay yeah sure I'll people actually want to see this footage that I I mean when you when you film something you you really like that extra footage actually so you're like oh shit I could people want to see this stuff yeah i was talking to a friend recently and i was saying like if all the stuff hadn't happened and zach had stayed on for the theatrical version it wouldn't have been four hours like there's no fucking way but now because he's been like unleashed and they've been like yeah just do it he's like okay well i'm gonna use everything then like i there's no limitation no one's gonna tell me i can't so everything that he shot every single thing goes into the movie and it just extends things so long. I want to mention the Aquaman's the next Aquaman scene we see is completely pointless. 
it's literally like a man's boat is sinking. Aquaman pulls him out of the ocean, brings him to a bar, and he's like, I saved that guy. Give me whiskey. And then he just like walks down a pier while like some sort of pop song plays and the water hits him <laughs> dramatically while he's drinking whiskey and then he goes back in the ocean and that's the scene <laughs> that is you don't need it we don't need it i understand zach i know aquaman's thing at this point you didn't this added nothing to his character i understand i get him now it's you don't just have to like <laughs> it's do you you like what does that scene demonstrate? It demonstrates that Aquaman is water man and yes. he like alcohol and is very cool and buff. And <laughs> like one, we already knew that from the first scene he was in and like two, if you really want to communicate that, you can do it in a way that impacts the plot at all. Yeah. Uh it's just wild and there's so many so many scenes where there, it's just like the characters doing whatever for no reason. Yeah, someone described this movie as like a bunch of Justice League short films put together, and I think that like like when the first two hours when the Justice League isn't a fucking thing yet, that's what Zack Snyder's doing. That's his yeah. like way of doing origin story type things is just having Aquaman do random shit. And having this character yeah. do random shit. And then this character does shit. Like, it's just... And they all have their, like, oh, like, Wonder Woman saves kids from bomb and stuff like that. Like, it's just all stuff that, like, doesn't really apply to the plots, I guess, <laughs> in the end. Yeah, it just it's, is there. it's like he was shooting it for the trailer. He was like, this scene would look really awesome in a trailer for this movie. So that's why he filmed it, just to have it for the trailer. Yeah, I know. I mean, he's a trailer director, and his trailers are are great. I mean, I yeah. I watched, I don't watch trailers. I watched all these Snyder Cut trailers. They're they're pretty good. And they they make it seem like it's going to be a good movie, and I'm going to be entertained. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone talks about that original Man of Steel trailer and how like amazing it is. Oh yeah. We've already lost the plot, but I guess so did the movie. I want to talk about <laughs> uh, Cyborg's introduction, which again is super clunky. In that, like, this isn't his real introduction, but this is basically it. He, like, turns on a, a tape recording, and his dad's like, Hey, son, you're the cyborg, and you have these powers, and this is c- the kind of person you are. Um, and he's like, you can launch all of the nukes in the world if you wanted. You can hack into literally anything. And then, like, for, like, five full minutes, Cyborg stands and watches a video of like a a, wait- a random waitress's life story <laughs> with no dial. It's just like sad piano music. And he's watching this like fucking YouTube compilation of a sad life story of a waitress. And then he like points at a magic stack of money and it gets bigger. And then she's at the ATM and it's like, congrats, you won the lottery. And she gets $100,000. <laughs> it's just like the most nonsensical shit. I just can't. I couldn't believe I was watching that. I I have so many issues. Like, they immediately introduce him. And I immediately am like, okay, this guy is like OP as fuck. Like, what the hell? They show him like you can launch all the nukes, whatever you want. He just gives people yeah. cash. Like, you just give people cash via the bank like this guy is insanely powerful like what the hell and uh it's never good to introduce uh heroes that are this powerful obviously but uh yeah i that that was just it just 
it went off the rails, obviously, because it started, it like starts with the story of like this kid in college or high school or something. And he's like, and his, <laughs> yeah. and his mom and him getting a car crash and all this stuff. And it just like, just escalates so fast. His origin story does. It's just so quick. And I think this is like, I, I don't know, him, Flash, like, it's just like shows kind of it would have been better if they had a movie before this to do all this stuff instead of just like a quick introduction yeah. in this film where we bear, where we kind of get to know them but it's so quick that you're like what the f- you're losing me here this is nuts yeah and it's it's not even that it's like if you give these people time and you have their own movie you know what is what is that m- money waitress scene accomplished it shows that cyborg can hack everything and that he's a generally like a good dude who wants to help poor people um you can do that in his own movie and have like a plot to that and have all that make sense and then when we come into justice league you don't have to do that but because we're in justice league zach was like i need to do something with these people so i guess he'll just watch this youtube video and then and then we'll know he's a superhero that way i didn't even like is he what like what does he do he's watching like security cameras or something of this lady yeah it's like security camera footage oh god cyborg is a creep all right this guy can watch anyone And he just yeah. decides to watch this late. Like, was he just looking at security cam footage and then he was just like, Ooh. well, it's, it's cause he went into the virtual bank, like, like the van- bank virtual scape and he found the smallest pile of money in the bank. And he was like, why no money? <laughs> so then he watched her whole life story. I would have loved if he had gone up and it was just like some college stoner who was just sitting in his apartment all day, smoking weed. And like, that's why he didn't have any money. Because <laughs> it was like, oh, this kid's just kind of like a lazy piece of shit. I don't. That would have been way better. Do I give him the hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> that would have been way better. Does he like? I feel like he has to like go through the rest of the list now. Like I understand the bottom, but like I would be, I would feel bad for the rest of the people now. And now we just got inflation here. He's just putting more money, dumping more money into the system. I mean, the economics of this yeah. is just crazy. It's like the Mr. Beast of this of this movie. Maybe yeah. Maybe Zack Snyder just watched a Mr. Beast video, and he's like, let's just make Cyborg Mr. Beast. That'd be sick. That would be so great. That's going to be Cyborg's movie, is he's going to have a YouTube channel and be like, what's up, Cyborg Nation? Today I'm doing the $100,000 prank, where I put $100,000 in random people's bank accounts. <laughs> And the whole video is just like him staring at ATMs, <laughs> and that's it. It wasn't a full-length football game. I was kind of upset about that for you, B. No, we just got the very end of a football game. Uh, the actual University of Wisconsin, I guess, gave them the okay for them to lose to the Gotham City University, which is really funny to me. That is hilarious. I, I did see Wisconsin, and I was like, seriously, you could just like... It's weird that they decided to do a real college instead of just like doing another yeah. fake college. And it's like their actual uniforms too. Like they had the W on their helmet and everything. So like, I feel like someone had to okay that. Like, did he write into the script like Gotham City versus Wisconsin University, the Wisconsin Badgers? Like, did he really want? Yeah, Wisconsin? Zach was like, I hate those those Madison. Wisconsin pieces of shit. <laughs> They're gonna lose to Cyborg in a football game. Yeah, what else happens? The, the Flash gets introduced, I guess. The Flash's introduction is kind of funny. The Flash was just like 
he he's good in this movie his actually his story is basically unchanged from the whedon version from what i remember like he talks to his dad in jail um oh they the whedon version doesn't include the scene where he goes to the dog place to apply for a job um but everything else like him eating pizza and his secret man cave like that's all in the whedon version oh yeah Uh, i did want to bring up real quick and the scene where he's at the dog or the pet shop applying for the dog walking job, he he sees Hot Lady and she gets in her weirdly like vintage car <laughs> to drive away. So weird. Um, and uh, there's so much stuff to unpack in the scene. Actually, now I think about it, it's weird that they removed this. Um, I guess Joss Whedon wasn't a fan. But first thing I want to note is he sees the car crash happen. And he's like, I got to save her. So he like starts to run and immediately his fucking converse like vaporize. So I'm like, does the flash have to buy new shoes every time he runs fast? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. He's got to. And none of his other clothes vaporize. Like, why was it just his shoes? It's converse. That's Zack Snyder's like, I hate converse shoes. They're so flimsy. This is my commentary on converse shoes. I, I hate them. They're so flimsy. They could break from anything. I think it would have been really bold if uh, the flash like started running and all of his clothes just like <laughs> shredded off his body. And he's just nude. He's just completely naked. That would have been hot. <laughs> that would have changed the scene a lot, especially with all those hot dogs floating around. <laughs> True. And he saves the girl, and they're just like standing there, and he's like, "Hey," but he's completely <laughs> he's naked. Just completely naked. Like, how does she react then? Like, he's nude. She's like, "What the fuck?" I don't. He saved her life, though. I know, but like, you're confused. Like, you're also being really creepy right now. I I don't know if I if I like it or not. Um, yeah, Mark really wants yeah. us to mention the slow-mo CGI sesame seed, of course. Yeah. <laughs> From the hamburger bun, yeah. From the hamburger bun, there was a slow-mo sesame seed. I mean, you got, you're you Zack Snyder, and you've slow-moed everything at this point. You just got to create mm. more things to slow-mo. What's great about the sesame seed specifically is, like, we're talking about the ladies singing in that one scene. Like, he shot that, so they put that in. The sesame seed was entirely CG, so at some point, Zach had to be like, hey, so he was eating a hamburger. We need a slow-mo shot of a single sesame seed flying off the hamburger. <laughs> and all of the CG artists are like, Zach, we- we've been working for a year on this. You really want to add another CG shot? And he's like, this is important. It's the Snyder Cut. We need everything in the movie. <laughs> you literally could have not included this, Zach. Like, this added nothing, but I guess it's a meme yeah. now. So there you go. Zach's a genius. Yeah, it is kind of a meme. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm surprised we didn't, didn't include that scene. I think it's a nice little introduction to The Flash. I think it was just a time thing. Like, we understand that The Flash is fast and funny and wants to help people just by, like, Bruce Wayne meeting him. It's true. And him being fast and funny and being... He's the only one who says, yes, he'll join the Justice League. So, like, we get it. Move on. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Some some of Flash's lines I still cringed at. But um, yeah. overall, I thought he's... I think he's pretty funny. That was one thing I wanted to mention overall is I think the Whedon version is much funnier, which makes sense. Joss Whedon's a scumbag, as we know, but his writing is very good. Um, and so he added a ton of banter scenes to Justice League and a lot more humor. And all of that humor was actually like, I remember laughing in the theater. Um, this movie has so many like tacked on jokes 
and none of them are funny. Like so <laughs> many scenes, it's unintentionally funny in so many parts. And when they actually try to make a joke, I was just like, oh, that was a punch up. Like, that's what I would say instead of laughing. Yeah, same here. Like, there's so many moments. There's so many little things, like not even just the flash, but someone else would say. And I'd just be like, God, this is this is why Zack Snyder doesn't do comedy, I guess. Because these. <laughs> yeah. These, this is just not funny, and he should. This person shouldn't have said that. The, the writing's bad. Yeah. The the one thing that I did like that I didn't laugh at, but I thought was good was when they all go to the Bat Cave and they're like, "Everyone, this is Alfred. I work for him." And I was like, "Oh, that's fun. That, like that's the thing that Batman would say. I like that." Um, but yeah. otherwise, I feel like all the script punch ups just really fell flat, and you sort of see like how Zach and, and Whedon really differ on this thing where you're like, oh, one guy knows how to do banter and the other one knows how to do slow-mo. <laughs> Which is ridiculous, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to be... If I become a director, maybe I don't want to be known as the slow-mo guy. I would... If I was Zach Well, Snyder, you can't because that's already a YouTube channel. Oh, shit. Fuck. I saw a tweet saying, like, looking at these two movies as, like, almost like a lesson in film history but i think it's weird comparing two bad movies <laughs> it's just kind of like yeah like what am i learning i'm just learning the difference <laughs> between two bad are directors that they have good movies but two two directors that failed to make good movies in different yeah. ways that <laughs> it was it's really bizarre it actually almost is a lesson in the sense of like these are two very different movies that are both bad in different ways. So that's kind of like the power of editing and reshoots and all that, I guess. Yeah. So maybe there's a lesson in here somewhere. Um, but I want to talk about the plot a little bit more, um, which is hard because there's four hours of it and barely anything happens. <laughs> and I can't um, remember it. Yeah. It's so hard to remember anything that happened. Like they meet commissioner Gordon at some point. Yeah, I don't even remember why. They just go and talk to him. They're like, hey, Commissioner, how's it going? He's like, hey, I turned on the bat signal. And then they all leave. Yeah. And they do a joke. It's the most pointless. They're like, we got to have the bat signal in this movie for sure. It's the Batman. And it's just like the most pointless scene. It's just like someone told Commissioner Gordon, like, oh, this guy vaguely looks like the Batman who's stealing shit. Right. And he was like, okay, I'll, I'll talk to him. Um, and then they just like talk briefly. Like Commissioner Gordon needs no convincing that it wasn't Batman. Though, <laughs> like Batman's immediately <laughs> they immediately like, oh, must have been this, must have been these people. And then Commissioner Gordon's just like, yeah, okay, <laughs> all right, cool guys, okay, bye, okay, bye. I don't know. There's so many like fan servicey like here's this character you guys know, right? But I don't know those characters, most of them. So I'm just like. <laughs> I, I'm like, what is happening? Like the Martian Manhunter thing makes oh zero God. sense to me. I literally don't know who he is. And it it's in the movie for no reason other than for people who know who he is. All right. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but like we got to talk about Martian Manhunter. <laughs> so like they have this scene. I want to say the scene was in the Whedon version. They just cut out the part where it was actually Martian Manhunter because, uh, yeah, no, it is. It is because this is a scene where we find out that Martha can't afford to keep the Kent farm anymore. And she's talking to Lois and they're like, oh, I'm I'm sad Superman's dead. And she's like, I miss banging Superman. And she's like, I know you do. <laughs> um, and they just have that conversation. And in the Whedon version, like, that's it. It's a vehicle for plot. 
the farm is being sold because she can't afford it anymore because Iron Man won't pay her bills. Um, but in this version, she leaves Lois's apartment and surprise, it's um, Martian Manhunter. <laughs> he had to be the one. Where was Martha? How did he know all of this information? That's like kind of fucked up that he was impersonating her. I don't understand. So he just like needed to, he wanted to, motivate lois or like what what was this i don't get why it was him it flew over my head when that happened i was like what who the why what is going on and then it's never touched on again just like why did this happen the only thing i can think of and i don't even know if this is right is that it convinced lois to go back to the superman statue um and she had to be there so that she could make superman less angry in that scene um in uh in the in the theatrical version when they resurrect superman and fight him it's not that lois was already there it's that batman had like planned this he's like alfred bring in the secret weapon and then alfred drives lois to the scene and she gets out of alfred's car and is like superman stop being evil and so he does but in this version she's just already there because martian manhunter like gaslit her into going i guess <laughs> okay I guess I guess that makes sense. Definitely could have done it in a different way. Like or it would have been fine if it if it wasn't Martian Manhunter that said it and it was actually Martha, right? I, I don't yeah. <laughs> um, It's so bizarre. It's so weird. The pregnancy test. I the pregnancy test, like I read on Reddit, so I was like, Oh, did you notice the pregnancy test? And I'm like, God, this is just like some weird Easter egg that all the fans like notice that is just like Yeah. I okay. I definitely missed that. I must have not looked at the screen at that moment or something because I did not see that. I definitely saw it and didn't freak out as much as everyone else. I was just like, oh, okay. She took a pregnancy test, I guess. She has a pregnancy test. Yeah, could you imagine if it was like negative and you just like couldn't (laughs) tell? (laughs) Yeah, okay. Great Monorail saying it needed to be Martian Manhunter. Got it. I now am convinced that it needed to be Martian. Yeah, he also said that Martian Manhunter is a known prankster with 250 or (laughs) 2.5 million subs. Um, so that was just for his prank YouTube channel. That's what he does is he becomes the the grieving mothers of people and then goes talk to their lovers. And that's like his prank. That's unique. Um, and apparently yeah. he was also the pregnancy test. Um, I oh, didn't, re- yeah. they didn't realize that reveal. That would be hilarious if it, if it's just the pregnancy test just morphed into Martian Manhunter's face. He winked and then like morphed back <laughs> into winked the pregnancy and went back. test. Oh my God. <laughs> it would just make no sense. It's just like, why? What? <laughs> the, the dark implication there is that Martian Manhunter has a piss fetish. <laughs> Like, that's the only thing that it could be. Like, he's like, like, she would find out if she's pregnant anyway. Why does he have to turn into a pregnancy test and, like, have her take one or something? I don't know. Oh, my God. Anyway, the only other thing I want to say about Martian Manhunter is he shows up at the end and is like, hey, Bruce Wayne, I'm here at your house. And Bruce is like, who the fuck are you? And he's like, I'm I'm from space. Uh, Dark side is coming and we got to prepare for that. And so Bruce Wayne's like, well, what do I call you? And he goes, I've taken many names and taken many forms, but you can call me Martian Manhunter. And if I were Bruce Wayne, I would be like, I'm sorry, Martian what? <laughs> what, excuse, what was the second part of your name? Uh, you Is, hunt men? 
you said you hunt men. I don't know if I want to be on the Justice League with you hunt men. You say. <laughs> well, maybe maybe it's just Martian men. Maybe that's maybe he's not from Mars. He just hunts Martian men only, right? Maybe that's what Bruce thinks. He's like, oh, he hunts Martian. Men. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bruce does like all of that like math in his head. I would love if the camera just locked off on him for a minute, where he's like, Martian man hunter, like. Is it Martian hyphen man and then hunter? Or is it Martian man hyphen hunter? The epilogue's weird in general, but I don't know if we want to get to the epilogue yet. Yeah, we have so much more to cover, like um, how other things happen. God, I'm like, I've been brainwashed. I think one of the men in black showed up to my house and was like, you don't remember any of the Snyder cut and flashed me with their thing. Because I'm struggling to remember anything. I mean, Um, like Superman comes back and he's like is stupid obviously he doesn't remember he's himself if we don't remember the plot we can just like talk about characters so let's talk about uh yeah the bad guy in this movie what's his name again steppenwolf steppenwolf, steppenwolf. what do you so i heard steppenwolf and the ween cuts actually pretty different visually too is visually right? he's different and he's got like more quips because it's the Whedon version but like basically it's he's the same like his plan is exactly the same the only real difference is that in the Whedon version, the town that he sets up in, his like evil headquarters, that town has people living in it, whereas in the Snyder version, it's just desolate. Hmm. Um, and basically, the reason there are people living in that town is because in the Snyder version, they don't really mess with the time force and Flash's thing. So Flash doesn't have anything to do during that sequence. So in the Whedon version... He finds like a Russian family and like runs them out of town to save them from Steppenwolf's evil army or whatever. Huh. Okay. Interesting. I feel like I should yeah. be hearing more of these differences. The differences are interesting here. Yeah. yeah. So that's one of the differences is like, oh, and it's a funny thing where like Flash puts them all in a pickup truck and then he starts pushing the pickup truck really fast to get them out of town. And then uh, Flash looks over and Superman's literally carrying an entire apartment building and like flying it out of town. <laughs> um, and that's like a funny little joke. Superman's nuts in that scene where he comes back. He just like has everyone's powers, basically. So, Yeah. And that was one of the things I laughed at in the theaters that stayed in the movie was when Flash is trying to like run around Superman and Superman just like gives him the side eye and you're like oh you can see him. <laughs> he's like oh oh i thought that was really good i don't even know if that was supposed to be funny but it is really funny to me <laughs> just his look is funny like see his eyes are yeah just, it's just like funny to see him do that um yeah. but yeah i step as far as steppenwolf goes i I actually enjoyed steppenwolf a decent amount i would say more yeah, than I he's very I hammy i like how many knives he has all over his body yeah same um <laughs> He's not, like, a very interesting villain. He actually has more depth in this one. Like, they do not go into his whole thing where he's trying to prove himself to Darkseid in the Whedon version. Uh, In that version, he's just sort of more generically evil. Yeah. Um, In this one, he seems just like a... In this one, he seems like a low... You almost root for him a bit because he's like a low... (laughs) No one believes in him. Yeah, no one believes in him. So you're like, oh, like, I kind of want you to prove yourself, buddy. Um, But, of course, he doesn't. He fucking dies. Like an idiot. Fails so bad. So bad. And Darkseid's not even surprised. He's just like, yeah, obviously he's dead. Yeah, my my idiot friend? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they're related, but yeah. <laughs> my idiot servant Steppenwolf can't even assemble the three mother boxes and decimate Earth. Um, but he did find 
the anti-life equation in a dream? <laughs> yeah, I don't, that part's weird. I have no clue. That, like at points in this movie, I did feel like I was dreaming. I don't know if he was dreaming in that scene, but it felt like I was dreaming. Like that, that shit just randomly started happening. And I'm just like, what is happening now? What's going on? But like the their final fight with him is is cool. It's big and action-y. That one is also roughly the same as the Whedon version, especially all the Batman stuff is almost exactly the same in that fight. Um, but like, yeah, the big difference is, is Flash's involvement because they add the time force and the time reversal. Um, and Cyborg, I don't remember what he did, but because Cyborg's barely in the theatrical version. Which is crazy because he does, like, Charlie asked me who I thought the main character was and I felt, and I said, I felt like Cyborg possibly that's yeah. crazy to me he's barely in the other one like he i don't know like obviously he has the main thing to do at the end and the climax like he's it depends on him kind of which I, I don't think it was like presented well enough that it was hard for him to do what he did in that thing in the cubes yeah it seemed like it was very easy for him to overcome the the fear demons or some shit and <laughs> and just win I don't know. I, I had no clue what he was supposed to be doing in there, but yeah, before like the Snyder cut was confirmed to be like a thing that was happening. I remember Zack Snyder saying that cyborg was like the heart of the movie in his version. And I think that's like very much true in, in the Snyder cut. Like he has an actual character arc. He has a relationship with his dad. Um, all this shit happens with cyborg, uh, that fleshes him out, which I actually did like more. Um, because it actually gave him a character as opposed to the original where it just wasn't. Uh, he just, like, wasn't anything. Yeah. Um, but I, at the same time, like, I don't know, he felt a little bit bland to me. Uh, anything outside of his relationship with his dad just made me feel like he's just kind of moping around. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's still rushed as hell. Like, I still don't know much about Cyborg. Like yeah. we were saying earlier, like, it's, it's just, it's still rough. Like, even though it's more attention, like people are saying, like from someone who hasn't seen the other one, I, I still think it's rushed. I still feel like he's a very one, one dimensional character that I don't understand. He legit feels like a teenage, like a mopey teenager to me, even yeah. though he's and then in his... college. So I guess I have no clue. <laughs> His relationship with his dad is weird. Like, I get he's mad at his dad for uh, making him a robot man. (laughs) And he's mad at his dad Um, for doing science too much as well. Yeah. He's like, dad, Dad, stop. He was with me. He's doing science. He never came to my football games. He was too busy doing science. (laughs) Stop doing science, dad. But I want to talk about the dad's sacrifice, which is probably one of the most poorly presented moments in the movie and also one of the most poorly presented emotional beats in maybe any movie because it's like the order is completely wrong he steppenwolf shows up and he locks himself in this chamber with the mother cube and he turns on the laser and he instantly vaporizes himself and the cube is fine nothing happens to the cube and so you watch this scene and you're like, holy shit, did this man just vaporize himself for no reason? <laughs> like, what What the fuck? And it's only after he's dead and Steppenwolf is gone do the Justice League come in and be like, oh, but actually he did um, uh, this thing. That's It was good. So it wasn't totally pointless for him to vaporize himself. Yeah, it completely, I mean, 
you could obviously fans are like, oh yeah, well they explained it at least, but it completely ruins the emotional part of that scene when you're just like, why the fuck did he just kill himself for no reason? Yeah. <laughs> All you're doing is sitting there, like you can't be sad that he just died because you're thinking, why did he just die? Why did he just do that? For what? I thought he was a smart character. Why did he just kill himself? Like what the hell's going on? Yeah. It's just like any competent movie, you have a scene where he's like, oh, we got this super laser um, and we're going to experiment on the box um, and maybe it'll, it'll we'll do this thing to the box. And that way, when he does the sacrifice, you're like, I get why he's doing this. He has to do the thing to the box mm-hmm. to save everyone else. But, no but because we don't have that information, it just looks like he's a fucking like, like he wanted it to die. Like. I don't know, man. Or like he thought it was going to do something. He was like, this will destroy the mother box. And then when it doesn't, you're <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> this guy's a real dumbass. But it's, that's what I thought. I thought like he was like, I'm going to destroy it alongside myself. I'm going to have to die, too. But it's going to destroy the mother yeah, box. Yeah, like a noble sacrifice, like a movie would do. Yeah, but no, it doesn't. It does something to the mother box that has to be explained a little bit later for us. Yeah. It's not even a visual change. There's not even like a shot where we like focus on the mother box and you see something happen to it. It's like a wide shot. He vaporizes and then Steppenwolf takes it and leaves like nothing ever happened. It it seems to me like it was emphasized that nothing happens to it. Like they they left it on the shot of the mother box for a little bit longer to show us, look, nothing fucking happened. (laughs) okay also we're getting we're getting refuted in the chat they said they showed the laser making things hot earlier that still doesn't really explain like why he did it they had to explain like oh he made it hot and also we have this thing where we can track hot things like was i supposed to know they have this thing where they can track hot shit around the earth and it was the hottest thing possible like they didn't explain that shit yeah i knew i remembered that i remembered them testing out the hotness of it and shit like that but i didn't know that like them making it hot would make it a tracking device all of a sudden that they could track down yeah like that, that's not implied at all it's also such a wild plan from the dad like of all the things you could do in that situation he was like i could try throw it, it like down a well maybe i could like run and hot no you know what i'll do is i'll microwave it <laughs> so it gets real hot and i'll also be in the microwave and uh then I, I know my son will know to track it with his laser eyes. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's It could have been... I, I see that it's all there now that the chat's telling us, but it definitely still could have been set up a lot better um, or more obvious to us. So that moment had emotional impact instead of me and BB both being like, why the fuck did this character just kill himself? Like, what yeah. the hell? It's really clunky. Like, uh, even if it's explained a little bit, it's just so clunky and presented just in the wrong order. Um, And, like, you know what? If you're going to have a scene... um, If you're going to have a scene where, like, you explain Cyborg's powers, maybe you just have a moment where he's, like, tracking heat signatures. Yeah. Like, something as simple as that, like... You know, he he sees all these heat signatures, and then when he superheats the box, it's at least in my head to be like, oh, he can see where the hottest point on Earth is to find where the box is. Something like that. There needs to be more hints here, obviously, but Zach's too busy filming things in slow-mo to care about that, BB. All right. I guess the other thing I want to talk about was the Aquaman scenes with Willem Dafoe. Um, yeah. Because I had just seen Willem Dafoe in Antichrist, and in that movie, 
<laughs> there's blood coming out of his dick. So I was very traumatized. Nice. Nice. <laughs> um, I was very traumatized by seeing him again. Um, but those movies, those are so weird. To me. Does this... So there's more context, obviously, if you've seen Aquaman, right? Did Aquaman come out before Justice League or after? No, Aquaman came out after. I don't even remember if Willem... I don't think Willem Dafoe was in the original theatrical cut. Because, like, why would he be? He doesn't do anything in this movie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've seen Aquaman. I don't remember what Willem Dafoe's character really was or how he was involved. And in this movie, it clearly didn't matter. Like, the, any extra context you get from that is just, like, I don't... I don't know. Willem okay. Dafoe's here. That's fun, right? Yeah. yeah. Mark says he's not in the original. I think it's just Mera he talks to in the original. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was interested. Like, I couldn't remember. I guess I could have just looked it up, but I couldn't remember if Aquaman came out. I, I thought it came out after or just sleep. I couldn't remember. It was, it was after for sure. Okay. It was a few years after. Yeah, because there's just like a bunch of stuff that obviously now that now i'm mad at the aquaman stuff even more because i felt like i was like oh well maybe if i had seen aquaman i would understand this stuff i think i think what it is is that because we're not mega dc fans or at least dc movie fans like mark saying uh willem dafoe is aquaman's mentor which i do remember now as a thing in aquaman um but, like, I did not remember that in this movie, and so him showing up was just, like, nothing. I was like, oh, right, he's here. And he says something about something about something. About and uh, Kingdom of, yeah, about being the king of something. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I just they want him to come that... back to Atlantis or whatever. In this movie, Willem Dafoe's like, you got to come back to Atlantis. Your half-brother's up to some shit. If you are a real comic book fan then you know what that means. You go, okay, his brother's Ocean Master. Ocean Master wants to rule Atlantis. That's exclusively comic book information that has never been presented in any of these movies before. Excellent. So yes, if you watch this in theaters, like you just, 99% of people would be like, what is Willem Dafoe talking about? Why does this matter? Like that doesn't impact the plot of this movie at all. It doesn't characterize Aquaman at all other than him being like, I don't want to go back to Atlantis. Um, it's just filler. It's it's scenes that would have been deleted in any other movie. Yeah, I don't get it. This is this is. I mean, Marvel movies. I feel like don't do this shit. Like I feel like it was so often in this movie. I mean, but it is a Snyder extended cut of the movie, I guess. So they're just gonna put in a bunch of stuff that the people who really wanted this cut want to see. I guess I can't complain that much, but I am gonna complain because I watched it and I guess I yeah. shouldn't have. Like we have a right to complain. We watched four hours of this movie. We're allowed. I really desperately want to talk about the epilogue to this movie because I don't know. Is there anything else you want to mention? No, I guess not. I, yeah. Okay. It just ends. The movie ends. Before we get to the epilogue, there's two things I got to talk about, which are the very silly visuals in this movie. The first is the first Wonder Woman scene where she's fighting the terrorists who are just like generic terrorists who never come up again and are there for no reason. Yeah. Um, Wonder Woman has to block a bunch of bullets, and the way she does that is with her gauntlets. And she does, it looks so goofy. It's like the silliest shit I've ever seen where she's like, I'm sorry for audio listeners, but she does like this. And that's how she blocks the, she waggles her arms around. It looks so silly. The other ridiculous visual, which I'll do for people on the stream and I'll, we'll describe it for the audio listeners, is the flash. When he runs in slow motion, which he only does, he does like this kind of thing with his arms where he's like, 
<laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell? Why does he do that? He like, like he he like has a weird like hand. He's like grabbing at something. Like it's so weird. It looks like he's like trying to swim, but he's also yeah. running. It looks so goofy. Yeah. it's so silly looking. <laughs> yeah, he does like run like that with his like fingers flailing forward. Like why does he? <laughs> yeah, and it's not like there's a precedent for that. Usually, Flash runs with like just his arms by his side, and he does like this thing, like a a person who's running would do. <laughs> but, um, but this is more badass, and looks there's more movement in this one, BB. It's cooler and slow. It's slow-mo. so like flow. It's just the bizarre nature of this movie, where you have a character who has super speed, and all of the things they do are in slow motion. It's like the most <laughs> antithetical shit you could possibly imagine. We don't get to see like any fast motion shit here. It's just everything's in slow-mo. So I don't really give a shit about the epilogue. I mainly care about the dream sequence, which is the most tacked on shit in the world. Well, there's two things. So first the scene with Lex Luthor, which was the after credit scene in the original when Lex is on the yacht with Deathstroke. Um, and the original version, Deathstroke shows up and he's like, Lex Luthor, what do you want with me? And he's like, I'm thinking we make a league of our own. And then it cuts out and that's the after credits scene. And you're like, oh, it's clever. There's going to be like an anti-Justice League. And this one, it's a whole different thing where he's like, Batman is Bruce Wayne. Ha ha ha. And that's the scene. Uh. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know why exactly the change. I guess I sort of know the change because the dream sequence in this movie is entirely different and an entirely different place than the original. Um, and this I want to tell you about, John, because it's really confusing to me. Okay. Um, so do you remember the part in the Zack Snyder cut where Wonder Woman comes up to Batman and she's like, hey, what's going on? And Batman's like, I had a dream uh, where the world was ending and there was a bunch of like desert everywhere. And then I woke up from the dream and Flash was like, Bruce Wayne, uh, Lois is the key to everything. And then it turns out that was a dream and I woke up from that. And that was a thing that happened to me. Yes, I remember Do you that. remember that scene? I do remember that. Yes. So in the Whedon version, we actually see that dream happen. He doesn't just describe it. There, there's a whole scene where Batman's like walking around in his duster and he has his gun and he's fighting parademons and the world is ending. And then he wakes up from the dream and Flash comes out of a time portal and is like, Bruce, Lois is the key. And then Batman wakes up again because it was a dream within a dream. Okay. <laughs> um, in the original version, that scene makes no fucking sense. <laughs> we know that it's supposed to set up Darkseid, but it's just, oh, does this happen in Batman v Superman? Oh, oh, I'm an idiot. So I should have seen I'm this sorry, as well. Everyone. I'm also an idiot because I saw the movie Batman v Superman and I don't remember this at all. Damn. Okay, well, that makes more sense why he explains it in this movie. I can't believe that was Batman v Superman. Wow, Zack Snyder really only makes one movie, huh? So I'm wrong, <laughs> but the point still stands. This new dream sequence is terrible. Um, they're clearly doing an injustice plot line, which is Lois dies, and so Superman goes crazy and becomes evil. But this literally feels like a scene that they just pulled out of whatever sequel they were going to make and just tacked onto the end of this movie. Because it has no context, it has no setup, it just happens. Yeah. It, it's just like, I was waiting for it to happen, and they're like, nope, it's it's just like a thing we're putting on the end. It's really bizarre. Yeah. I was also waiting for it to happen, and yeah, I, I think it's, this is the worst thing you could have done with it, in my opinion, because I'm just like, okay, this was clearly added for like fan service again, 
This is just so you could put the Joker in the movie. And like, like the movie was over. It was over. It was over. This isn't There's a scene no you put on the very, very end of your movie. <laughs> there was no point. And like, there's a clear moment in the epilogue in this cut where I'm like, okay, this is where the movie should end. Um, mm-hmm. There's just like a clear point where I'm like, all right, this is it. Why is there still time left? And then it just like goes into like the Lex Luthor thing and all this in this dream and the Martian Manhunter stuff. And I'm just like, okay, this is just not for me. Like I, I'm not, I'm like, I'm a fan of the Joker, I guess, but I, I I don't. Are you though? Not really. I'm not, I'm not a DC fan or a super comic, comic book fan at all. So this whole part is not for me. I don't understand it at all. It's all over my head. Well, they don't kiss first off. That's one of your best predictions. They don't kiss. I was very upset that they come really close. I feel like, um, Batman says fuck in this scene, which we finally get. Thank God. Um, took him four hours to say fuck. Um, it's it's just really bizarre. Like I understand what they're doing from a comic book perspective, but to have it in your movie, just really unestablished, it's it just doesn't work. And it, I have so many questions. Like, okay, the Justice League is disbanded. Superman's evil now. We have to stop him. So I'm gonna team up with Deathstroke. All right, whatever. He's an assassin man. Mera, she's like Aquaman comparable. Um, the Joker. What's the Joker gonna do against Darkseid and Superman? Like, why did you ask him for help? Yeah, definitely didn't need help. <laughs> Joker's not gonna help. I don't get it. I This man I despise, like my mortal enemy, I'll have him help me fight two alien gods. <laughs> <laughs> I Now I just want to say the Joker beat the shit out of Darkseid. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, <laughs> that makes no sense. Just makes no sense. Overall, so is this supposed to be like Zack saying, like, this is what's going to happen in, a, in the future in the next Justice League or something? Like, what is this supposed to be? I like it. Like I said, it felt like Zack just got excited and started shooting the sequel. And then they're like, wait, no, Zack, hold on. We don't have the budget. And he's like, OK, but I already shot this scene. So can we just put it on the end? And they're like, fine. So like one scene from Justice League 2 or maybe even Justice League 3 made it into this movie somehow. This is a movie that was clearly very excited to be an epic series just like Avengers. And we are now seeing sort of like that like they resurrected Superman from the dead. Zack resurrected this from the dead, but it's like almost certainly not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It makes it even sadder that, that we're seeing all this stuff and it's like, well... Yeah, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but yeah, <laughs> this stuff might happen. Here's what my thoughts were on what I what I was eventually going to do with it, I guess. I don't know if I can do this again. Like, Batman v Superman was a slog, and that movie was only like two and a half hours, right? And this was four. This one's four hours. Like, what if, if somehow Zack was greenlit to do another Justice League movie, I don't know if I could do it. Like, so much of it is so boring and so uninteresting it's not even worth it to get to these massive action sequences that are clearly like what he wants you to see yeah i i don't know i'm just not a not only am i not that big of a dc fan or super fan i'm also just not a big Zack snyder fan either so yeah overall yeah overall i didn't think this movie was gonna be for me it wasn't I ended up enjoying it more than I thought i would but overall the epilogue is by the way the worst part of the movie for me by far 
Um, just yeah, absolutely. Just garbage. Like I feel like I kind of understand. Like okay, yeah, if I understood this stuff, maybe I could like it. But I don't know. I just I can't. I, 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 I love Batman, and I've read a lot of comic books. I understood everything. Like I understand the lore, and I've I'm the fan who is to be serviced. Right? I love Martian Manhunter. He rules. <laughs> but like. I didn't enjoy this. It was just like not fun. I want to have fun watching my super superhero movie, but I don't want it to be a chore, which is ultimately what this movie is. And I don't think Zack Snyder's a bad guy. I'm probably going to watch his Netflix movie, the zombie one that's coming out. That seems like it might be fun. Oh yeah, yeah. But whatever he does, whenever he does these like Justice League or Batman movies or even Man of Steel, it's all so miserable. Yeah. It's just bloated and and overly long and just it's just not it's not good. Like Yeah. I don't know. All these remind me of Watchmen a little bit. Obviously another superhero movie he did, but they're all like I feel like they're all he's just trying to replicate what he did with Watchmen over and over again, but Watchmen made more sense cuz he just copied the comic. It's his writing's just not as good as as a Watchman, Alan Moore's, as Alan Moore's writing, I guess they all, yeah. they all just remind I mean, me of that. I guess that almost feels like what it is. Like he did Watchmen, and like obviously Watchmen's one of the best graphic graphic novels ever written. It's like highly esteemed, and so he literally just copied that book word for word, and then maybe got it into his head that he could do that again, but make it original. Yeah. So everything has that like tone and style and like gravitas of Watchmen, but he can't just create that out of thin air yeah that's that's what i feel like every time i watch one of these i'm just like this wants wants he wants to recreate what he did with Watchmen, but he just like isn't as good of a writer when he's writing an original thing he's he's not good at it it's not good um but also also i just have issues with the style i think he like a lot of people say he's like a trailer director like there are too many too many big moments in his movie he makes every moment big which in turn makes every moment small because they're all the same. Also, I just realized, fun parallel, Jeremy Irons plays Alfred in this movie, um, but he also plays Ozymandias in oh, yeah. uh, the Damon Lindelof Watchmen. Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, so he's all over the DC universe. Damn, this guy's crazy. He's also in Assassin's Creed. Yeah. So, uh, But yeah, I, I got nothing else to say about this movie. Yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> That was us, like, barely capable of remembering all of Justice League, despite me watching it yesterday. <laughs> um, if you're gonna if you're gonna watch a Justice League movie, I would recommend the original just because it's over sooner, like I said. Um, and now we're gonna have to find another movie to make predictions about, which sucks. <laughs> so, uh, Black Widow. <laughs> Black Widow. That's going to be so boring to make predictions about. We just predict the most boring shit. But until next time, do you bleed?